Hey, it's Eric Hulkren. On this episode of Behind the Headlines, we talk about the latest video we've put out called The Deadliest Great Lake about Lake Michigan. And on the episode, Lori Chapman and Jeremy Marble walk us through the process of putting something like that together. I was just surprised how reckless some of those kids were jumping off the pier. One of the shots um, was during a, a really stormy day and you can see those kids kind of thinking about jumping in and then they just do it anyways. And they have, you know, the ladder that they can climb up on, but those kids are probably 12 years old and there's no parents around. All right, let's jump into the story and see how something like this gets produced. As always, my co-host is Vice President of Content at MLive, John Heiner. John, how are you? Eric, I am fantastic. Happy to be back for another episode of Behind the Headlines. And so far, so good on fall. It was a wonderful summer in Michigan. It was a really fantastic summer. And I hate to make this sound like a, a noir movie or something, but there's always a dark side, you know, <laughs> to the summer. There's sure. always a dark side. And uh, in the past week, MLive published, or I should say aired, a video documentary um, that was really a great public service and an excellent piece of journalism. It was called The Deadliest Great Lake. It was a video that explored the um, nature of Lake Michigan as uh, a really force of nature that takes more lives than you might know of all the drownings in the Great Lakes. Uh, in any given year, more than half or roughly half or one lake, and that's Lake Michigan. There's a, there's a s- series of circumstances related to the lake and natural forces that cause this to happen, but it's a phenomenon that um, apparently is, is, is uh, becoming exacerbated or, or growing. It, we just are experiencing in 2020 the, the worst year for drownings in Lake Michigan, and it was something that was being noticed by our journalists at MLive, and you know, coming off the How We Got Here series last year that we won four Emmys for in video, we're starting to make a name for ourselves and establish our ability to tell uh, important journalistic stories in video format. And so our video team, which is small but mighty, um, took on this project. And I think it's a real public service. Uh, it's also gone over extremely well in the past week it's over 200,000 views on Facebook. It's over, it's roughly 25,000 views on YouTube. Uh, it's getting shared a lot. It's getting talked about. So I thought today on Behind the Headlines, we'd explore the making of the video, the conception of that, and what we're trying to accomplish through video with our journalistic storytelling. So our guests today are Lori Chapman and Jeremy Marble from our video team. Welcome, Lori and Jeremy. Thank Hello. you. Hi. It's good to have you here. Uh, Lori was a scriptwriter for the project. She also did a lot of editing on the project, and Jeremy's the director of photography. There were more people involved. It's a, a obviously there's always a longer cast of characters, but uh, Lori and Jeremy had did the bulk of the work on this, and they also were very instrumental in the How We Got Here series, which I, th- I thought really put us on the map for for video storytelling. So. Um, I just want to congratulate you guys because this was an important piece of work and it was really, really well done. Obviously, w- when we publish, I'll have a column about this and and in the notes for the podcast, we're going to have links to the video and I really encourage people to see it. But uh, hats off to you for the, the quality of the work. But Lori, if you could just start us off by talking about where the conception of this story came from, the conception of the project and and how the video team started to tackle something that's that's so big and, and to re, 
bring it out in like a 10 minute format that tells such an amazing story. Um, well, the idea actually came from Kyle, who is the lead, lead producer on the video team, but he was on paternity leave the entire time that we worked on it. He kind of left us this like outline for the idea. And um, so we kind of ran with it. We thought it would be something good we could do this summer. Um, we thought it was um, kind of a counter programming to all the coronavirus news that we've been seeing all summer. Um, but it was something that, you know, that would have a lot of interest with our audience and also something that was really important. So it kind of hit a sweet spot. Um, and so we started like the first week in August, started planning. Me and Jeremy got on the phone and because we also have another producer on the video team who is also on paternity leave. So out of the four of us, there was only two of us um, working <laughs> this whole time. And so we got on the phone and just like planned out our uh, schedule for the, like everything, like when we would have the script ready, when we would have the interview scheduled, when we would shoot, when we would edit um, and kind of set a goal for, and we were actually only off by like a day or two <laughs> getting it done. Well, we get, you know, we have a newspaper in Grand Rapids, the Grand Rapids Press. We have a newspaper in Muskegon, the Muskegon Chronicle. They're Lakeshore papers. And we do cover, unfortunately, um, the drownings that happen. And a lot of times if someone's swept off a pier and they can't, they can't find them for several days, oftentimes there are people who come up from like say Chicago or Indiana, and there's a lot of trauma involved in this. But until you put it all together and you step back and take a look at the larger picture, and these are not isolated incidents, that there's a phenomenon happening. Um, I think it, you don't get the impact or the punch that is delivered by something that, like the work you did. So what it went into the research that you were doing to put together uh, really what I thought was a pretty profound story journalistically about the threat that people face when they, they go to the lake? Um, well, we knew that we wanted to have family members. That was kind of a key. That's what um, you know brings up the emotion and gets people to pay attention to the facts is to have like a family family members of a drowning victim. And um, we started we started with Dave Benjamin, who um, works with the Great Lakes Surf Rescue Project. Um, he he directed me to uh, Carol Smith, who's uh, one of the mothers in the video. And then um, our own Corey Morris, our photographer, is the one who directed us to Vicky Check. He suggested her. Um, he, he had been working in 2003 back when Andy Fox drowned. So we started with the families and then just kind of worked from there. Um, did a lot of research. I read every article that MLive has written on drownings for the last 10 years or 15 years and um, kind of worked from there. Yeah, I got to tell you, I was on a golf course this summer on a weekend and the president of MLive, Tim Gruber, was on vacation with his family over at the lakeshore. And I, 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 I shouldn't misspeak, but I, I think it may have been Manistee area. And he was sending me videos of uh, the helicopters over the water, human chain searching the water. Um, and so it, it's really, this happens pretty frequently. And I think people, I think this is what comes through in the video. People underestimate the power of the lake. And I remember being a kid or in my twenties and body surfing. Cause you know, the waves were six to eight feet. You think that's pretty cool. Um, but there was something called riptides that I didn't know. Nobody had any signs up back then. So, you know, just basically speaking, can you take our listeners through what, 
the core elements of the video are trying to explain to people about the dangers of, of Lake Michigan, especially Lake Michigan, but the Great Lakes. Um, so we kind of, we focused on the, the dangers that people might not expect. Um, so we started with the kind of the personal story of Andy Fox, um, but we don't reveal exactly what happened to him. Like we, you know, sort of reveal that he drowned and then we go through the different hazards um, that the, the, the Lake Michigan, that are special about Lake Michigan. Um, it, it's highly populated, but it also has, um, uh, we have Mark, our weatherman, Mark Torgrosa, talk about the, the waves on Lake Michigan. The difference between the lake and the ocean is that the waves are um, driven completely by the wind, not by the tides. So they can be pounding you like one after the other, like he says in the video. Um, on the ocean, they're, they're more spaced apart. Um, so that's kind of dangerous. People don't expect that. Um, the, the piers cause their own um, hazards. They kind of create like a washing machine effect with like, there's like longshore currents going along with along the shore and then they can kind of hit the pier and hit the rip currents and kind of just create this like washing machine effect. Um, and then um, the weather can change really quickly and it actually happened to us while we were shooting. We we definitely got experienced some different weather, but like the storm, the storms come from the west on the Michigan side. So when you're in, it's a beautiful beach day in Michigan, it, maybe it's raining in Wisconsin, but it's um, a beautiful beach day in Michigan and people don't realize that like there's a storm kind of brewing on the horizon and it can come up really fast. And then the rip currents, which is what happened to Andy Fox. He got caught in a rip current, but he didn't even know. He grew up in Grand Haven, but he didn't even know what a rip current was. Yeah, and so our, for our listeners, the rip current is kind of like a gear effect. If you imagine two gears that are meshing and turning in, you know, not in the same direction, but the gears are actually turning in opposite directions, but they're pushing in one direction, is the rip currents are like this gear effect that that push people out into the lake and people, the biggest mistake they can make and the video explains this is trying to swim against it. And Mark Torgross says, imagine you're in a river with a heavy current. Would you swim against the current or like turning, try to go to shore and in a rip current, the best thing to do is to swim sideways out of it, but people don't know. And in one of the things the video explored and, and it, the families of the unfortunate people who the victims of drownings, uh, work to get funds raised to put up signs that explain rip currents and do education for people to how to save themselves. But, you know, and this is where I think the video is this huge public service because, you know, you say this guy grew up on the lake and didn't know. I'm, I'm sure certain that people listening today, most people don't know about rip currents and it could be a life and death, de life and death difference. So, um, and, you know, I want to cut to Jeremy for a minute because the opening scene and I, you know, any movie, I'm sure that, you know, 50% of the energy goes into the opening of a movie because you really want to capture people. But Jeremy, can you walk us through the opening, the videography that went into the opening scene of this video and tell our listeners what that is and, and how you got that footage? Um, <clears throat> Neil, our other producer and videographer who was on maternity leave, he gets all the credit for filming that because he put a GoPro literally on his head and on his chest and dove into the water and made it look like he was drowning and struggling against, you know, the current. And once we had that footage, um, I, I wanted to, I, we all went back and forth on how we wanted the intro, but um, I wanted to just establish kind of like a nice sunny day at the beach. That's the first thing you see is kids playing. And then they call it parallel editing. 
you're seeing drowning going on as people are having fun enjoying the beach. And that's unfortunately what a lot of these stories that we heard happens is that people are out there having fun. They look for their friend who was just in the um, lake next to them, you know, five minutes ago, they turn around and they're just gone. And so we wanted to simulate what that, you know, looks like with the opening and really have that grab your attention. And it segued right into it. Well, the, the audio overlay is a survivor who went on to form a Lake Rescue Association or he heads the Lake Rescue Association. Um, it's just one of many gripping personal stories that, that are in this video. But the parallel editing you, you described almost sounds like the beginning of the movie Jaws, where everyone's, <laughs> everyone's having fun on the beach, but there's, there's a danger lurking. And even though, you know, this isn't a terrifying animal, it, it's a real force. Uh, nature, you know, nature's very powerful. And that, that comes through in this, this video very well. Yeah, it was, it was tough to show, you know, just what, how people experience this type of um, tragedy. You know, there's, you can only film the lake so many different ways. So having... Uh, video that's, you know, physically immersed in the water um, really puts the viewer, you know, where the danger is. And, um, you know, listening to the interviews that we filmed, you know, uh, David, he, he almost drowned. And um, I actually have a personal story where even though it's the ocean, I grew up on the West Coast. Uh, me and my older brother, uh, we both almost drowned and my older brother saved me he had to grab me from under the ocean uh undertow goddess so after hearing all these stories i actually almost forgot about that memory completely because i was so young um so hearing all these stories just really put together how real this is the drownings in lake michigan and that even though you hear it on the headlines and you kind of dismiss it you know it's still it's real it's there well, i have to tell you until i watched the video it came back like an avalanche on me. Uh, when I was 16, one of my closest childhood friends drowned while giving a scuba diving lesson um, in Charlevoix. And when you, we were talking about this project, it didn't even come to the front of my mind. But as soon as I saw the footage of parents and family members talking about their losses, it was just a gut punch. And um, I think it's, it's a lot like everything it's out of sight, out of mind until it happens to you. And that has a huge effect on your life. And Lori and Jeremy, either of you, you could talk about this, but I think the emotional center of this entire project is the stories of the families, uh, how plaintive that is, how the elastic effect of the loss. Lori, how did you get these families to agree to go on camera? And then Jeremy, after that, maybe you can talk about the sensitivity of filming this sort of thing and, and weaving it into the story. Um, they were pretty willing. Um, it was hard to find them at first. Um, Sa Carol Sandy thought I was a telemarketer. Like she was like, what are you selling? <laughs> so I finally like got, got in touch with her at work. Um, but they were, um, they weren't hesitant at all because they, you know, I explained to them that we were trying to, tell their stories in a, in a way that would sort of raise awareness of the issue. And they were more than willing to do that, especially Andy Fox's family. Like they've been, they've done a lot of media since, I mean, it's been 
17 years. So they've done a lot, they've done it before, they've, they're familiar with it. Um, and they're, they're just happy to, to get the word out. The interviews themselves were very emotional. I think um, the families, plus even Dave Benjamin was emo pretty emotional talking about the drownings. Um, so it was, um, we spent more than an hour with the Andy Fox's family, the three family members. Um, and they all kind of like, you know, I hated to make them relive the experience, but it, you sort of have to get there. Um, you can't just get to, you know, can't start at the, that emotional level. It takes, mm -hmm. you know, several minutes, um, if more, not, you know, half hour or more to get to where they're, you know, pretty, pretty emotional. And that's just the, the stuff that resonates with the viewers. Um, even though it had been so long, it, you know, there was, it was tearful. And with uh, Carol Sandy, her her son drowned. It was just over a year ago, so it was still pretty raw. Um, and she she talked a lot about him. She talked about him for so long. Like I, I wish I could have included all the nice things that she said about him. I, I wanted to make the video so much longer, um, but they really just wanted to tribute tribute to their children and just to really prevent other families from going through what they went through. Like they get whenever. Um, the Fox family, whenever they hear the helicopter, because they live, they all live there in Grand Haven still, they hear the helicopter whenever there's a search and it just sort of brings it all back to them. And they just hate to think of another family going through that. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, how, how do you shoot those kind of really intense emotional settings? Um, and, and what are you mindful of when you're, when you're shooting that and the kind of footage you want to get? Well, Lori brought up a good point is that you can't just go from zero to 100 when you are interviewing people with, you know, uh, a tragedy like this. You need to, you know, build up a rapport, even just talking on the phone first, just talk to them for a little bit, get their, um, you know, their confidence that you, you're going to tell their story. And when you're finally filming it, it still just takes a little bit, you know, to get in there, but you can't be shy or afraid to ask those questions that are going to get you know to the core of the emotion and and how they're feeling because it's not it's not about you and what answers you want to get it's about them telling their story and relating that and um one as a filmmaker for me one thing that really stuck out was when we first met um andy fox's mother uh we said well let's you know meet on the pier and uh the pier on grand haven and I didn't know this, but her son's, her son and another uh, uh, kid, um, their memorial plaque thing is up on the pier. So we asked her to wait near the pier, unknowing to us that her, basically her son's memorial is right there. And well, she actually, she's the one who said, let's meet by the sign. Okay. <laughs> she, so she is the one who she, wanted to meet there. She wanted to meet there. Good. Um, but while we were waiting and just talking, you know, there's people in the background looking at this sign, you know, um, you can hear their reaction to it. Oh, look, you know, they're pointing at the sign and reading what the sign talks about, you know, Andy. And um, so one of the shots that I wanted to get was a time lapse of just that sign. And in the uh, video, you can see how many people just walk up to it over a period of time. Absolutely. That's that really does make, a difference when people do stop and actually read it, I think. Jeremy, I got to tell you, when I watched the video the first time, I stopped it and went back and watched that scene again to see how many people stopped and looked. Like yeah. th That's a part of everyday life now 
in that community, uh, educating people about it. And I will say, Lori had mentioned how much she wanted to put in, but there's something about emotional density. You know, it's, it's what, like a 10 minute video. And it's so, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to scare people off. It's, it's, you got to watch this video. It's amazing. Um, but it, it packs a punch because there's so much emotional density at every quote, every statement, even the statements from experts or Mark Torregrossa, everything adds to the narrative in a really positive uh, way that moves the story forward and, and helps you understand the risk that you're facing. And it never descends into hyperbole or pathos or anything. It's right there on the surface. So I think that's part of the, the just the excellence of this video. Um, it's, it is 10 minutes of gold um, and it's a real public service. So uh, again, you know, I know that how hard it must have been to edit that. I've been with grieving families. Um, I used, believe it or not, I used to be a reporter many, many decades ago. But you'd go out at a crime scene or you'd go out at a fatality and go to someone's home to get the story of the deceased. And the last thing you want to leave is, is do is leave before they're done talking. You know, but then you realize I'm going to go back and use two quotes. <laughs> you know, I better do it well. And you guys, you guys did it really, really well. Um, so fantastic. How about, you know, and here's the thing. If you didn't know what the subject of this video was, Jeremy, this is almost like the, the, the cinematography is amazing. The, the shots of Lake Michigan, the beauty of the lake, you know, the grandeur of the lake. It's almost, it looks like a Chamber of Commerce video until you, you get into it. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you were trying to accomplish with the, with the uh, cinematography in this project? Uh, first, we lucked out with good old Michigan weather. And we had three amazing days uh, of great Michigan weather. And so that really lent itself to capture the, um, the beauty that is the, you know, Michigan coastline. And, um, you know, Lori and I are both drone pilots. And so we, we definitely wanted to utilize that tool. Um, using a drone to film something as massive as you know uh, lake michigan and just the coastline is is integral you need to show that um then i like to focus on like there's children playing that's really important to me because the beach is a family you know gathering people love going to the beach and um as david had pointed out you know it's an economic um you know powerhouse with michigan i mean it's a huge tourism so we needed to capture, you know, people enjoying the beach as well as um, just showing the emotions that are related to the beach, which is, you know, kids playing like parents. Um, there's there's people playing sports there. We also filmed the kids jumping off the pier. Um, there was tons that, and tons way, of that. That, by the way, after you said it was like a washing machine by the pier. And you see those kids jumping in. That was like Jaws. That was like something. Something bad's gonna happen. <laughs> that and was a very effective piece of video. I was just surprised how reckless some of those kids were jumping off the pier. One of the shots um, was during a, a really stormy day, and you can see those kids kind of thinking about jumping in, and then they just do it anyways. And they have you know the ladder that they can climb up on but those kids are probably 12 years old and there's no parents around. So while we were out there, you know, I, I had a plan in mind, but because it is such a live event, if you will, being at the beach, you can only plan for so much, you know, 
Um, so that's where stuff like the time lapse came in to just show, you know, time passing at the beach and it, it moves the story along in that regard. Um, the interviews, we, we lucked out and I think we had some really nice uh, setups with those because we were at their house and you never know what you're walking into when you go and film at someone's house. It could be, you know, very pleasant. It could not be very pleasant. But uh, for me, one of the hardest things um, for me to film was filming the moms talking about their kids with the photos. So, you know, I went into um, the Fox family's, you know, house and she has this whole um, photo album with Andy's photos and she's talking and like you had said, John, you know, you don't want to end before they're done talking. So I'm just filming, letting her talk, letting her talk. And, you know, she's telling me all these, you know, some, some funny stories, just some, some stories that any mom would, would talk about their child. And so um, doing that with both moms, that was, um, that was uh, hard to do. It's hard to walk out. Yeah. It's very affecting. Um, yeah, I've had family members hug me. You know, I'm there to tell a story, and but they, they're human beings and they need a hug, so you give them a hug. Um, I think it's something people don't see about journalists too: is that we're people too. You know, we're not dispassionate. We don't stand apart. You know, we have families and we've been through stuff too. So, man, the humanity really comes through in this video. It it really really does. Uh, I want to cut back to Lori for a second and just ask because when you script write and you want to block out and you want to make certain points in a project when you know you have an economy of time, right? How did you set this project up and, you know, and make sure that you got the points across that you wanted to get? Um, I had just a general outline when I started. Um, and then it was, it was um, doing the interviews after, um, after we did the interviews, I went back and just, um, transcribe them mostly I like to transcribe even even if it's an hour long I'll you know transcribe it um, in shorthand and then just kind of read through it and just like piece it together it's kind of like a puzzle like try because it depends on what they say and how they say it and then um, whatever pieces I need to fill in I wrote as the voiceover um, but I definitely let the the sound bites kind of take the lead because that's that's the most important thing um, you know hearing it from from other people not from from our voiceover Mm-hmm. What, what challenges unexpected? There's always something I'm sure when you, it doesn't go according to plan or script. So what challenges did you run into on this project? Um, it was, it was challenging because the weather was so important because we only had a limited time. I think we spent one night in Grand Haven the first week and all our interviews were outside. So we're like, I just said to Jeremy, like, it is not going to rain. We are going to have good <laughs> weather. Cause that's, and also because of COVID, like we went to these women's houses, but we couldn't go inside, you know, really for, we wouldn't go inside for the interview. We did them all outside. So we, it had to be good weather and it was, and then we actually, lucked out because in the middle of this project we were um filming the michigan's best day in st joseph the following week and we had a rainy day like a stormy day but that's when we were able to get that that footage of the people swimming in the storm that jeremy shot of the people like jumping yeah. off the pier so the the weather was 100 percent in our favor um i think it was just just the challenge of um staying distant <laughs> wearing masks like interviewing these people wearing masks trying to trying to be like emotive with my eyes because I do a lot of 
like when you're interviewing, you don't want to say, oh, 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 like you can't make any sound because mm -hmm. I don't want to accidentally talk over them. So I'm just right. like, <laughs> like nodding and like, <laughs> you know, you trying to be very expressive with my eyes. Um, that was that was difficult to try to connect with them um, without, you know, smiling or just giving them that sort of visual encouragement with my face. Um, and then we it was just, you know, really long days. Um, Oh, having the, the Michigan's best day video just like mixed in there. And mm -hmm. it was, again, it was just like me and Jeremy, we got a little bit of help from one of our other photographers, Joel, but it was just um, a crazy, crazy couple of weeks. Well, Laurie, when I say small, but mighty, our video team, they were, they're all over the place and wear many hats. And again, just amazed by what you guys do on the schedules that you're on. We, we, we pull in resources from other places and, as we said, we brought in Mark Torgrosa and we brought in some Corey Morris's photos and it was a real team effort, but you guys, you guys did an amazing job. How about you, Jeremy? What, what was most challenging for you? Um, well, one thing that's sort of just funny, lighthearted is uh, the sand, the sand's everywhere. <laughs> and I mean, the gear, my car, uh, you name it. So uh, there's still sand in my car from that. Um, but uh, the challenges, you know, like Lori said, being socially distant and being outside wearing a mask for nine hours a day out on the beach is uh, it's pretty brutal. And I actually got uh, uh, heat stroke, sunstroke, whatever you want to call it, to the point where, um, yeah, I was I was done. I had to go. He luckily, needed to get a Gatorade. <laughs> I, chugged, I chugged two Gatorades. Luckily, they had a little, you know, um, whatever you call it, cart. Uh, that was just electrolytes selling, just selling you know beverages to people on the beach and i had to take a half an hour break because i was like actually starting to get sick mm -hmm. and but that was like hour eight on the beach you know um we couldn't we had to get that was the day we were shooting dana's stand-ups and we had to get yeah, them done because it was it was gonna rain the next day i'm like we i think it was like a like six hours or seven hours of shooting yeah. those stand-ups and yeah i was trying not to kill jeremy um, I let him take a break. Yeah. Thank well, you. I, I didn't see the Gatorades on the expense accounts, but. You know. Oh, they're there. Trust me. Okay. All right. <laughs> and you know, Dana, um, it, it, God bless print journalists, right? Um, but Jeremy, the, earlier this year, he and I, during, you know, with COVID, the offices were shut, but we went in to shoot some promos for. Oh, yeah. So wow. <laughs> he's forgotten this. No, no, it was just so early on. But it was right after the offices closed in March, and we wanted to do social uh, promo video. Uh, God, it was for our subscription, uh, digital subscriptions, right? And that poor guy, because as you know from my podcast, Eric, I could talk ad infinitum, right? Yes. <laughs> but as soon as we put it on a script, as soon as we wrote it on a piece of paper, where I had a, like almost like a teleprompter, oh, my God, how many takes did we do, Jeremy? 30? A lot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I, I made you, I made you switch uh, sweaters midway. Yeah, he did. And so when I when I see uh, uh, you know Dana on camera, and she's great. I mean, she's great. But just quickly tell our listeners what goes into that that thirty seconds you see or the twenty second clip. Well, this was her first you know screen debut. So before we even started filming, we had to uh, have a socially distant um, training session. And uh, she came over to uh, my house in my backyard. I got a big backyard and Lori was there and we just 
you know, practiced certain types of like walking and talking with the camera and what to do with your hands and how to, you know, emphasize certain words. And so even before she stepped foot on that beach, you know, we had already done a lot of work um, to make sure this was, you know, going to work out great. I, I think she nailed it. She did really well, but uh, I think your boss, Jillian Van Strat, was telling me that there's this like really simple scene where she, at the end of the video where she wraps everything up about the threat of the Great Lakes and then she walks off camera. That was one take, right? Yeah. Seriously? She doesn't well, walk off camera. She doesn't walk off camera because we had to cover that up. With, it didn't look good. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is a few stuff that, you know, we just had to... We did that. The scene, the one shot with the flag. That my favorite shot is the the with her standing in front of that red flag. Mm -hmm. And we, when I was editing it, I counted. We did twenty five takes of that shot. Okay, Dana, if you're listening, and I hope you are, do not take this personally. I was on camera for an hour in front of Jeremy for like a fifteen second video, (laughs) tormenting him. it's it's harder than it looks. Eric Culker, man, you're on camera all the time. Um, yeah, but, but I'm by myself, so I don't make anyone sit around for six hours. I just talk to yeah, myself for that. You, know. you make it look you make it look easy, guys. So um, it, it's hard. Once the you see the red dot, it, it's harder than it looks. So anyway, no, she did she did a great job. Um, it was it did. was I was really impressed. I loved working with her, and I hope we can do it again. I'm sure we will. Okay, uh, the last thing I just want uh, I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. The How We Got Here series last year, which was a, a Google-funded initiative, the first one of its kind in the country, where they were funding long-form narrative journalism on video. Michigan got chosen to do it, and we like—I shouldn't say we, because I just like pick up the awards. You guys knocked it out of the park. We won four Emmys. In, I think we did six episodes and won four Emmys. And to what extent was that project a learning experience? that makes things like this possible, a quick turnaround? Um, It was huge. I mean, we had never done anything like that. Um, And we we kind of fell right back into those roles, I would say. Um, It was um, really similar experience, especially with like the time crunch that we were under again for this. Like we did those, we did those six videos and we shot them all back to back like in six weeks. So it was, um, it was kind of a, a really, um, just like you're yeah. scheduling one video and you're, and you're like, you're thinking about the next video, but you're still shooting the one before. So it was, um, it was a great experience in multitasking and traveling around and um, doing all these interviews. Um, yeah, I mean, it was sort I, of I learned, boot camp. it was like a boot it camp. It was, yeah. And like, I learned a lot about shooting from Jeremy because um, I had to shoot you know, learn. <laughs> yeah, like I definitely learned. I got used to carrying the heavy camera around, which I never liked to do. But um, and it was it was pretty easy to fall back into that. We hadn't been out because of COVID. We've been pretty much isolated um, for several months, so it was really nice to get back out. And just it felt pretty natural falling back to this world. Cool. What about you, Jeremy? What about what did you learn through how we got here that that really helped us out in this project? Um, I think the team dynamic really plays a big part because um Lori and I had done that before and we've um you know tackled editing the same projects too so we kind of know what roles we both need to play and you know we're both comfortable and being in those stressful situations where 
you're like, okay, did we get the shot? I don't know. Let's go review it. You know, you don't, you don't want it. You're done. You're, you're exhausted, but you know, we both know that we're going to get, you know, a great product out of it because of how we got here. That really, honestly, uh, I hadn't really worked with Lori that much uh, before that. I mean, only a few months after uh, the merging of our teams. Um, so that really launched, you know, our dynamic uh, working together. We so spent we, a lot of time together. A lot of time in the in the car. <laughs> I was the chauffeur and had to listen to my awful great yeah. music. Yeah, that was um, one thing that I kind of missed was we couldn't drive together. We drove separately because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. So I missed his music. <laughs> I think how we got here, the unofficial sponsor was Subway. Because every <laughs> town in Michigan has a Subway. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, it was hard to agree on food, but we, we agreed on Subway for that project at least. <laughs> well, real quick for the sake of our listeners, like four years ago, I want to say four because it blurs, but I don't think we had a video team at MLive. And we started a video team and it was sort of like, you know, you buy a new you know, piece of technology and you're like, how am I supposed to work this? You know, it's like, how do we take journalism and tell stories through video? So I think at first we were trying to graft video into written journalism, into spoken, you know, into the written word product that we do. And, and um, obviously not the newspaper, <laughs> video is not going to work there. But with how we got there, I felt like that was our graduation into, you know, distinct organic video journalism narrative storytelling. And, and this project was outside of how we got there the first time, and it will be the first of many, I think, that we say this is a distinct way to tell a story and the words don't come into play. We put some words together to put on our website to host the video, but this stands alone. And the fact that it's resonated so well with our audiences has become our number one viewed news video, I, I think speaks for what's possible. And I want to thank you guys. Um, for making this possible because it's really hard to pull these things together with a small team and i think the works the work speaks for itself so thanks for joining us today on behind the headlines and thank you for this great piece of work that uh, i hope our listeners all check out thanks thank you and there they go big thanks as always to john heiner for co-hosting and to Lori and jeremy for sharing the story of the deadliest great lake as always if you like what we're doing put it in a playlist on spotify or like and review it wherever you get your podcasts he is john heiner i am eric halkran and this is behind the headlines